Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. This teaching is from the series Mission Possible. As Christians, we are called to be on mission, longing and working to see God known and worshipped by people from every culture, from our own city to the ends of the earth. great honor and joy today to introduce Steve and Karen McClure, who, ha- who are from here, but they've been serving in Cambodia. Karen um, served in 10 countries since 1995 with Mission to the World um, when she was called in 2007 to serve in Cambodia. She is a um, nurse practitioner and university professor. She's been using her skills, reaching out to the women uh, all people, I guess, but mainly to the, to women, teaching them about safe birthing practices and, and good health, maternal health, is that correct? And um, educating the village workers and instructing the Khmer medical nursing and midwifery students and, profession- and professionals in universities and hospitals. It's been her, uh, I think, her life calling to, to work in that arena. And uh, and Steve is an ordained, uh, not minister, pastor, elder, elder <laughs> an ordained elder in the uh, Presbyterian Church of America. He studied Greek and Hebrew, so he's part of that elite crowd. And um, he teaches New and Old Testament uh, studies and uh, postgraduate courses at Miami International Seminary. He's also been to several of the different countries along with Karen and doing uh, training of pastors and um, teaching them, making sure that they have good Reformed theology because he wants that spread across the the world. And uh, so anyway, they have now been, uh, they've gone full-time into Cambodia and last year was their first full full year and uh, they'll be coming home yearly like this for a visit and then going back and they're here to share with us today. Thank you, Colleen. That's a formal greeting in Khmer. Um, we uh, just want to uh, tell you thanks for having us up here. Um, we're Steve and Karen McClure, uh, as Colleen has already said, and missionaries to Cambodia, where we're transforming communities one life at a time through Christ's truth and love. Those two little girls up there from an orphanage over near Vietnam, uh, Karen will be talking about uh, them a little bit more later. Next. So where's Cambodia? Well, if you find China and look straight south, you'll find it. It's that little purple dot right in the center of the map there. That's Cambodia, right in the middle of Southeast Asia. Next. And in, uh, within the, uh, the country, uh, you can see Phnom Penh. That's where we live. And then we work out of there. We go out into the provinces. And you'll see uh, Kampot down uh, to the south and uh, Kampong Spiu which is uh, next to it, and Sui Reng, which is over by Vietnam, and that's where the two little girls live that were in that picture. Next. Phnom Penh. This is a picture of the skyline from atop our apartment building. Um, 
Construction in Cambodia is something interesting. For those of you that are construction workers out there, this might uh, ring a bell with you. I've watched Khmer construction workers build brick walls without using a plumb line or a level. Now, sometimes the walls are a little uneven, but they really do a great job considering they don't use those tools. There's a friend of ours uh, had a leak in the house. They run a guest house, and he had a leak, and the water was coming down the wall and coming out on an electrical outlet. That's not good at any time. So he had a repairman come in. He called the Khmer repairman to come in, and he came in, and he showed him where the water was coming out of the uh, uh, electrical outlet. And uh, so they walked upstairs, it was two stories, to see where they might find where the leak was coming in. So the guy looked around a little bit like this, and he turned to my friend and he said, it's too hard, and he left. <laughs> That's the way it is sometimes. <laughs> Next, traffic. Traffic's quite fun in uh, Phnom Penh. It's uh, very crowded. Uh, Lots of different kinds of vehicles. It's slow, um, and they have some interesting uh, cultural things that they do when they drive. And you have to understand that uh, it, when Karen first went there in 2007, there were hardly any cars in Phnom Penh, and now it's just chock full of cars. Uh, so nobody taught them how to drive, and they really don't know how to drive, so they make it up themselves. Right? So if I'm following somebody and I see him swing a little bit to the right, I know he's going to make a left turn right in front of me. And if I see him swing to the left, he's going to do the same thing but go this way. Yeah. Um, and uh, roundabouts, they do have roundabouts in, uh, in Phnom Penh, and some of them are very large. I mean, they're, they're big enough that you could run five, six, seven lanes of traffic around it if people used it properly, that is. But they don't know how to use a roundabout, and they really don't work in Phnom Penh. So what people do is they come up to go into the roundabout and where we would normally, you know, merge into the traffic and go around the circle, they go straight in, straight in, straight to the center, and then they go around the center to where they want to exit, and then they go straight out. <laughs> so you get about three trucks in a roundabout and all the traffic stops. Nothing can move. Uh, and then you have motos. That's short for motorcycle. They're small motorcycles. Uh, they're 125cc or less vast majority of them, and uh, they're just like ants. Have you ever tried to stop an ant line from going somewhere? They don't stop. They just go around or they go over or whatever. Well, that's what the motos do. And you see them go up on the sidewalk and they'll drive through. The, they'll just go anywhere to get where they're going. You can't stop them. Um, next, please. This is what it looks like when it rains. Every time it rains, it floods. Um, the reason for that primarily in Phnom Penh is there used to be a big lake in Phnom Penh. Well, they filled it in. So where does the water go? It sits in the streets. Um, it's, it's a little bit hard, uh, and now they're backfilling, so to speak. They're, they've got a massive project going on in Phnom Penh to put in drainage pipes. They didn't think about that before. Um, and uh, so there's a lot of work that's going on to try to put those drainage pipes in. Now, the trouble with that is that people look at that and they say, oh, drainage pipe, I've got this garbage. I'll just put it down in here. And it plugs it up, and then it doesn't do much good, right? <laughs> Next. This is an open market. You see up at the top, um, open markets, uh, when they 
start an open market and they have, they'll do some in the morning, some in the evening. But when they start, they just kind of take over the street. You see, if this one is taken over the street, then you can't even drive down there now. And just kind of move out there, and the market will be there, and just right alongside the street. And there's, you see these all over town. And then down in the lower right there, this is you see this big knot in the middle of wires. This is the way the wiring looks all over Phnom Penh. They just keep putting up more wires. You know, they never take any down. Well, I shouldn't say they shouldn't take any down because then every once in a while somebody comes along and takes down a whole mess of wires. And you see them laying all over the road. Um, how they figure out which wire is a good one and which one isn't, I don't know. But that's what they do. And then these wires lay all over the road for a while, and somebody comes along and picks them up. Yeah, another thing about construction in Phnom Penh is that when somebody does a construction project. Uh, you know, in a construction project, you have a little mess that kind of builds up, you know, extra sand, rock, bricks, all that kind of stuff. Well, when they get through, they just leave it. They don't pick it up. <laughs> Somebody else has to come along and pick it up if they want it picked up. Otherwise, it'll just sit there for months. Um, next, please. This is a Buddhist monk making his morning rounds. You usually see him uh, in pairs. And they walk around uh, and, and uh, go to different places that they, they, uh, they're used to. Uh, and they just walk up there. And then the people come out. Usually it's a business. could be a residence. And they'll come out and they'll put little money in their container. And then the monks give them a little prayer. Now, they do this to keep good luck in their business. And if they, when the Buddha shows up or the monk show, shows up and they don't give him any money, then they might have bad luck in their business. Luck is a very big thing to Buddhists in Cambodia. They, they talk about luck a lot. Down in the lower uh, corner, you see factory workers that are getting off work, and they just kind of stream out of there. This is from, can be from garment factories or really any kind of factory, and there are lots of workers in there. And back there on the right-hand side, you see something that looks kind of like a truck that's got a lot of people piled into it. Next. That's because there are people in it. This is how people get back and forth to work a lot. They just pack them in there, and they're all standing up. There's no safety here at all. They're just hanging on to whatever they can hang on to, and they cart them off down the road, and then that's the way they come in the morning, and that's the way they go home at night. Next, please. And then there's Khmer New Year. Now, all those busy streets I was talking about, they're pretty empty because everybody goes home to their home province on Khmer New Year. <laughs> Karen says that's when she drives. <laughs> there's, no, there's nobody out there. Um, uh, it's a three-day Buddhist celebration, but it's mostly about food and family and traditional games. And that's why everybody goes home. The family gets back together during this time. Uh, so, uh, and then you see this. There's nobody in town, and that street would normally be packed with traffic, and there's nobody there except the cow. Next, please. This is what it looks like in the dry season. There are two seasons in Cambodia, dry and wet. And what they mean by dry and wet is that's what it's like. Dry, there's no rain. For six months, there's no rain. And then you get the wet season, and usually there's lots of rain. Um, there's been less this year and the last year uh, than there has been normally, but uh, that's usually the way it is. So you can see how dry and parched it is. Next, please. And that's what it looks like in the wet season. Nice and green, rice growing everywhere. That's the wet season is what we're in right now. We're just coming to the end of it. Uh, next, please. 
Well, there's a stark difference between the countryside and the city. Uh, there's culture changing in the city now. The customs and the clothing, worldviews, a big, really heavy Western influence in Phnom Penh. Uh, there's a mall there. It's called An Mall. It was built by the Japanese. It's a huge mall. It looks really no different than any modern mall that you would see here in the United States. Um, lots of stores in it. Um, very expensive because it's the only one. They're building another one. But that's the kind of thing that you might see in Phnom Penh. That's unusual. That's very, uh, that, that's a one of a kind, really. But you go to the rural area, and it's the same old traditional customs. So this house up here on stilts, you see that a lot out in the countryside. Why is it on stilts? Because when it rains, it floods. So they build the house up on stilts. And it serves another purpose. It's very hot, and they stay in the house, it's pretty hot. So what they do is they go down and sit under the house uh, during the daytime. There's some shade there, and it's kind of cool, and a little bit of breeze. Um, and then you see a rural roadside stand. Uh, not very much there. Um, you might have something, you might something to drink maybe, something to eat, uh, you might have some vegetables there or something like that. But these kinds of things you'll see all over in the countryside. Next, please. There's a rural tractor. Those tractors are all over the place out in the countryside. And then a truck. Well, sort of a truck. It's a, it's a little a big trailer being pulled by what else? A moto. <laughs> they use motos for everything. <laughs> Next, please. And here's a, a basket that we saw driving down the road, or a whole pile of baskets that were moving along the road. We took a picture of it. Underneath there somewhere is a moto and a driver. They just, they just pile things on top of there. And then this is an entrance to a Wat, a Buddhist Wat. Um, Khmer Buddhism is a bit of a mix. Uh, they're 95% Buddhist in, in Cambodia right now. Um, but they have Buddhism, shamanism, animism, and ancestor worship all rolled into one. Most of them believe in ghosts and spirits. Most have little spirit houses outside, outside their homes to keep the bad spirits out of the home. Um, and most of them believe in reincarnation. Uh, for a new Christian, the ancestor worship thing gets in the way a lot. And the reason is that uh, somebody will come home and he he's, he's, tells his family that uh, he's accepted Christ and is in this uh, new, quote, religion to them. Well, what they're afraid of right off is that that's going to make the ancestors angry and that there's going to be bad spirits come around in the house, and they're going to have bad luck in the house. And so if anything happens in that house or anybody in the family, it's his fault. And uh, that's the kind of persecution that they have to endure uh, and, and work through. Uh, next, please. This is something we have to remember on the field. We made great plans uh, when we went in the field last January. Um, but you always have to make room for the Lord to work, and, and he will. He's, <laughs> you make your plans, and then he has you do what he wants you to do. Um, next, please. This is one of those things. We plan to go to language school, um, and this is our language school. Uh, 
But we didn't expect it to take over our lives, and that's just about what it did. For, for several months, uh, morning, noon, and night, I ate language. That's, that was it. <laughs> I couldn't do much of anything else. Next. Outreach. You know, out in the field, we do a lot of stuff, a lot of things. We host interns, short-term teams, and other visitors. We do medical clinics, health fairs, teaching of all sorts. Well, why do we do all this? Relationships. It's about building relationships. Jesus built relationships. Without relationships, there's no spreading the gospel, no converts, no believers with which to plant churches. And MTW, Mission to the World, is all about planting churches. That's why we're there. So how do you build relationships? You find a need, you fill that need, earn a trust, make a disciple for Christ. Next, please. This is a case in point. Does music fill a need? Certainly it does. People like music. Music draws all sorts of people. More than 100 children and adults came to Anka Che's first concert. Performers included the Khmer themselves, MTW missionaries, and a short-term uh, missionary team. That was BRCC's team. Right. Yeah. Um, for, uh, the concert was such a success that it spawned an impromptu concert the following night. Uh, the, the next night, uh, they were having a, a birthday party for one of the MTW missionaries, and all at once, it's just suddenly it just broke out into another concert. So uh, you can thank BRCC for that. <laughs> um, the BRCC team's music ministry in Cambodia did a lot to build a lot of relationships. Okay, next, please. Right. Um, so there's a huge need in Cambodia for health teaching and all, um, for all groups of people. And as Colleen said, I'm a family nurse practitioner and a teacher, and I'm very passionate about building the capacity of the people so that they can actively participate in healthcare activities in order to improve the health of the village or the community in which they live. So in the pictures above, um, the BRCC team was there. And uh, John, one of the members of the team, Jonathan Logan, who is now a pre-med student in college, he stayed with us an additional two weeks. And as Steve said, we also entertain um, uh, interns. They help us in our work. and. Um, so one of his roles while he was there was to um, assist with the teaching in one of our villages, Prey Tom Village. So in the pictures that you see there, we were teaching in Prey Tom Village about diarrhea and dehydration. Next slide, please. Okay. Um, so when we went to Prey Tom Village, one of the things that we saw or noticed was that there were less students there than there were before. I've gone there and taught village health workers. We started a village health worker program. So I queried one of the Pray Tom Church leaders and she informed us that the people there are now so poor that they have to work every day in order to buy food just for that day. So she said, unless you can provide them with something and I'm assuming she meant money or food or something. She said they have to go to work every day, seven days a week. So a little bit about Pray Tom Village. Uh, Steve and I and several of the other couples on our team belong to uh, a Khmer or Cambodian church in Phnom Penh. And um, it 
planted a church out there in Preytown Village, which is the, the uh, village that we were in, um, and we'll call our church KCC Church. This village is located in Campospeu Province, which is about two hours from Phnom Penh. So this is a really poor village, poor hygiene, many children are left home alone while the parents work. Um, there's malnutrition, many are not attending school. We question immunizations and we've been looking into that. And when I went there uh, with Jonathan, uh, there were others from KCC Church went there, in, including um, Vina, the pastor's wife. Uh, and so she was so horrified that she went back to the church and met with the church leaders and they decided to do something about it. So they came up with a plan to focus mainly on the children in the village. So um, here you see in this in these pictures, the top left is uh, the KCC team that's ministering there. Um, and in the bottom left, they had just been teaching the children about Jesus. Um, you see him, uh, the children there. In the middle, that is Vina's husband, Pastor Samat Neen, and they had taught the children that day about hygiene and how to care for their bodies. And um, the pastor is providing haircuts to the children. Um, the bottom right, this the KCC Church uh, started a feeding program. They're all, right now, they're only going up there every two weeks, um, but I think that's that's going to change. But they. They came to us and um, our MTW Cambodia team and asked if we could assist with the, the costs of the program. Next slide, please. So in these pictures on the left, um, I'm doing some health teaching in the villages, one of our churches in Kampot province. Um, and on the right, I'm teaching the staff at White Linen Hotel um, which is an enterprise of Daughters of Cambodia, which I'll talk about in a few minutes. Next slide. So I'm very passionate about teaching and mentoring students, especially the Khmer medical nursing and midwifery students, as Colleen talked about. Uh, one of the things that happened, I don't know if you remember it or, or, or read about it, but back in the late 70s, the Khmer Rouge came in and and killed off many people in the population. It was about 25%. And they targeted specifically people with knowledge. So college professors, uh, teachers in the school system, just a lot of people with knowledge. So one of the most important and best things you can do there is teach uh, and mentor. So that's, what, that's one of the things that, that I just love to do. So we were asked um, to do physical exams on children in two orphanages in two different provinces. And I work with uh, my colleague, Dr. Dale Knutson, who is a pediatrician. He's also our medical team leader uh, on our team. Uh, and we thought it would be a prime opportunity to teach the students assessment skills and then put them to use. So we held a short course before we went. We packed up all our equipment, um, including an ultrasound machine and an EKG machine. And in total, over two days, because two different provinces in two different areas, we saw, saw over 120 children's caregivers and teachers. Jonathan was there for this ministry. And um, the, um, just, just to note, the BRCC team, while they were there, they also um, had this short course on physical assessment. Um, and they did really well. We went out to the villages and did um, um, visits uh, mobile mobile medical teams and uh, um, they they were able to participate in that next slide please 
I, I had the opportunity to spend the day and work with uh, and mentor a very close friend of mine. And she's, we've been friends for a long time since I've been going to Cambodia. I knew her as a teenager and she's translated for me and she went on to midwifery school. She works at a hospital called Sonia Kill Memorial Hospital in the maternity department. So I went down there, spend the day with her to, to mentor her. And I was pleasantly surprised at the protocol policies and procedures there. They were, as we say in Khmer La'al, which is really good. So, um, you know, especially when we're delivering babies and everything. So in this hospital, you can see down there on the right, there's a neonatologist actually who's doing the ultrasound there um, because he, they say because he's the one that's most concerned about the baby, he's gonna do the ultrasound. So this particular patient was 32 weeks pregnant. She was uh, eight weeks from her due date and um, she had broken her water. So we were taking um, care of her that day. This hospital is a Christian hospital started by the Germans and uh, for the Khmer, and uh, they, I, I teach there occasionally, but they're really trying to teach and mentor the uh, Khmer medical um, people. Next slide, please. So it says in Psalm 127, children are a heritage of the Lord, from the Lord. Children are one of the focuses of our ministry, especially the children under the age of five years old. Um, and the reason is because they don't yet have fully developed immune systems, and they are the ones that get ill quickly and die quickly. So in these pictures above, um, there are photos of us doing, uh, conducting uh, medical clinics for children. Um, they were staffed with the Kamai Medical Nursing and Midwifery, students as well as the Kamai uh, physicians, nurses, and midwives. In the top right-hand uh, corner, you see Dr. Dale. That's a picture of him right there. He's using the ultrasound uh, cardiac probe to have a look at a child's heart. And then bottom right, there's Jonathan using his stethoscope to assess a child's heart. He performed, actually, while he was there, many EKGs. Uh, he was our cardiac guy. And um, he was in, even instrumental in diagnosing an abnormal heart issue of a child by the time he left. Okay, next slide. And again, it's hard to see that slide, but that's, I, I believe that's Jonathan conducting an EKG on an adult who came with, in with uh, chest pain complaints and his EKG was actually normal. I, it was some other issues that were going on. And then on the right, James Marsh, um, one of the uh, other BRCC team members, he's also a pre-med student in college right now. He went with us to do a home visit in the village on a patient. Um, her husband had come to us, we were in the village, uh, in, a, in the clinic, and he had said, my wife is dying, can you come quickly? So we went up there, and his wife um, had um, congestive heart failure. It was chronic, it wasn't something new that we di diagnosed right in their home, but she did think she was gonna die. She had had unkind words with her son-in-law and she felt like he had sent the evil spirits after her. So um, James and I ex examined her, we encouraged her, we hugged her uh, and prayed for her and, and her family. Next slide, please. So one of the things that we do while we're there is we do some hospital visits. Um, we did a, um, hospital visit on one of our villagers uh, from Ankache Village. Um, her name was Ming Saran. She's right there in the middle uh, with uh, two of the girls from Ankache. She had surgery for a wrist fracture. Well, how did she fracture her wrist? 
she was chased by a pregnant cow, and she fell. Of course, the funny thing is, the phone call that I got, I thought uh, my, my friend was saying she was chased by a car in the village, and I thought, well, how did that happen? It's not like Phnom Penh, they're Macy Motos, but anyway, it was she was chased by a cow. She had some uh, many fractures in her wrist. So anyway, we were there. We met with the physician so we could follow up with some other health issues that she had. And on the right, um, there is one of my village health workers. Her son was taken um, up to uh, the hospital, um, eight-year-old son. He had um, a problem with his intestines and had to have surgery. So we went there to, to pray, pray with them and support them. Next slide, please. So daughters. So in June, I began working and serving one day a week at the clinic at Daughters of Cambodia. I had no idea that I would be as passionate about the ministry and the clients as I was. Um, so God gives us gifts, passions, talents, and life experiences, and maybe they were all preparing me for this. So remember that if God calls you, he will also equip you, as it says in Hebrews. So let me explain a little bit about Daughters. Daughters of Cambodia is a Christian organization, and it operates a group of nonprofit enterprises, I think about seven in all. Not large, but they're functional. Um, they're in Phnom Penh with the sole purpose of offering a new life of freedom to victims of sex trafficking and sexual exploitation in Cambodia. Ruth Elliott, um, a psychologist from the UK, started it back in 2007, and she wanted to reach out to those who were trapped in the sex industry and offer opportunities for them to walk free, start a new life, and learn how to live within the community. Next slide, please. In Cambodia, it's a big problem. Uh, about one in every 40 girls will be sold into sex slavery. And the profound thing about that is that 90% of them are sold by their own families. So in Cambodian culture, daughters are expected to provide financially for their parents. And so for these poor and uneducated women, the sex industry may be the only profitable place and the parents will sell the girls for sex. Next slide, please. Commercial sexual exploitation of children and young women and even men in Cambodia has escalated over the last decade And, sorry, um, on the right there, you can see girls all lined up sitting on, uh, on chairs, and you can ride through the streets of Phnom Penh, and what you see are karaoke bars, and they're sitting outside karaoke bars waiting to be picked up. Um, so the... Um, Regardless of the reason that they entered, regardless of the reason that they entered the uh, uh, um, sex industry, these girls have a lot of issues. Next slide, please. Okay. Um, there's strong factors that actually keep them, the women and the children and the men enslaved there. First of all, there's big social stigma. So where are they going to get a job when they get out? They lack education, um, and so that reduces their job opportunities. No one wants to hire them. 
There's family pressure to provide income so that their fear is that if a girl stops working, a younger sister may be sold in her place. A third reason, um, local culture requires children to support their parents financially in order to pay back the debt of giving life and in order to earn a better reincarnation, which is a Buddhism belief. Uh, many times we find people that we work with sending like at least half of their income back home to their family. Uh, and also, the, the victim's um, unwillingness to live in a shelter because they've lost choice and they wish to remain within the, the support systems that they have. Next slide. Oh, go, go back one, sorry. Okay, there on the left you can see um, one of the girls um, in uh, the sewing room. Uh, sewing is one of the uh, jobs that they're able to work in. And then on the right, um, they are, it's, it's art therapy for the girls. So the, the girls actually, and, and, the, and the men, or boys, they live independently in their own community. Uh, one vital step in this process is a job and skills training. So in not just any job, but a dignified, rewarding job with career opportunities, a salary that's calculated to cover the cost of living rather than the meager salary, which is the norm for, for Cambodia. And good working conditions they have there at, at Daughters to promote health and well-being. Um, they also provide the clients, and this is free services during work time, right, built right into their workday. Um, medical clinic, which is where I serve. Um, they have pro provide counseling, social services. They have educational programs, which um, I uh, have taught in before, and they also provide free childcare. They have prayer time um, built right into their day, um, church and discipleship groups too. Some of the jobs also include making jewelry, screen printing, wood shop, uh, working in the spa, gift shop, retail, uh, cafes and hotel. Next slide, please. So many Friday evenings, I've joined uh, pray, prayerful, or faithful prayer warriors who walk around the riverfront and Wat Phnom areas of Phnom Penh. It's an area of extreme poverty, homelessness, many people trying to survive on the streets, and there's brothels uh, and the lure of uh, the sexual exploitation, KTV bars. So the, many of the destitute people there, and there's men, women, and children, um, know the leader of this group. Her name is Antonia. Um, so she is, Antonia works with us at Daughters of Cambodia. She's a Swiss nurse and some will follow her and others to get a hot meal and hear a message after our prayer walk. Some have even asked her for help to give up this life on the streets and in the brothels and have sought shelter through Antonia because Daughters doesn't pro provide shelters and so she has some connections for that. Um, some have even been given training in a job through Daughters. Um, besides serving in the clinic on Friday evenings and teaching, uh, we've all been praying for changes to come to hearts of these people through the gospel. So when BRCC was there, they made a huge impact. When they joined us, they were able to uh, deliver music, and uh, Olivia de delivered a powerful message to those in need. Um, so we're quite thankful for that. Quite thankful for all of your uh, gifts that you sent with the group. Um, as I said, they've made a big impact. Next, please. So uh, once you build a relationship and share the gospel, you need to begin discipleship. And for that, 
you need leaders, Kamai leaders. And for church plants, you need Kamai pastors. These are the people that need to be taught. So we write curricula on whatever topics they need to learn, curricula that are culturally sensitive to the Kamai, and then we teach them the topics. On a, we do that on a weekly basis. Um, this is the uh, presbytery, if you will, that we have uh, established in Cambodia, Khmer Presbyterian Association. It's now four years old. Um, we've got uh, several ordained pastors already and a few that are working on it. Uh, we've got several church plants, as you can see, in, uh, in Phnom Penh, uh, one out in the village of Ankache, and uh, another one that's up and coming in Kampong Trak. Uh, next slide, please. The goal is to teach the Khmer pastors and leaders to be self-sufficient, to be self-starters. And here's a case in point. Karen has already talked about Prey Tom, very poor area. People live from meal to meal, literally have nothing. And the two pastors that planted this church, house church up there, are on the right. Um, they did that a couple of years ago. And they have already bought land there uh, in uh, Kampong Spiu to build a church for Pray Tom. Recently, uh, Karen already mentioned about the, the uh, KCC folks uh, starting to uh, work in the village there to minister to the children and also to the adults there. Um, and Karen, of course, is working with them to establish regular medical visits there. This is the self-sufficiency that we're looking for from the church plants. Uh, next slide, please. Just for our focus uh, for uh, going into uh, next year, um, things change a little bit. Like I said, uh, God sends you where he wants to send you. Uh, Karen's going to be doing a lot of work with daughters. She'll be doing a lot of work in Pray Tom with uh, KCC. Uh, and uh, she'll also be doing teaching there. And uh, we still have to do uh, some language work. Next slide, please. Um, I'll be doing some theological teaching uh, and also language school and writing some curriculum. That's uh, one of the reasons that we're here at home is that we write curriculum and then we go back into the, and Karen does too, for what she needs to teach. And right now I'm writing uh, uh, a five-part curriculum on uh, sacramentology. Uh, next slide, please. We have to keep this in mind that... Uh, uh, we, we're making all these plans, but you have to you have to be flexible when you go into the field. God's going to have us do what He wants us to do, and we just have to keep that in mind. Next slide, please. Aren't they cute? Um, we want to thank. Uh, this is this is this is our ministry that we've just shown you. You've seen. This is what you're supporting. This is what we're doing. Uh, we want to say that when, uh, when the BRCC team came, that it was quite a blessing to us and uh, to the people there. Um, uh, that team made an awful lot of Kamai children and young adults smile. Uh, there were several things that uh, they helped, they either originated or helped to put on um, that were new, and uh, the people just really enjoyed it. Um, I think one of the things that they really, really enjoyed at KCC was that uh, indoor soccer thing that you guys did. That was, they really liked that. <laughs> and we want to thank you for your support. 
for your prayers. Uh, we could feel your prayers. Oh, we want to thank you for that. We want to thank you for, for the things that you sent over to us, including the whole batch of computers that you sent. That was really great because uh, we really needed uh, some computers, and they right away went to work uh, in a couple of churches and, uh, and also in our, in our uh, administrative office. We want to thank you for that. So with that, that's a formal goodbye in Khmer, and also nung preang protein po. God bless you. Amen. I hope you uh, enjoyed and learned a lot there. It's really important. I'd asked Steve when we talked the other day to help us kind of be able to get the, the smell and the feel of Cambodia because it's really important when we're praying. And I can't encourage enough for us to be engaged in praying. When you're talking about a country that was, was 97% Buddhist, uh, 95% Buddhist, uh, there are walls, there are strongholds. But God is a God who hears our prayer and who will labor and who will work. And uh, so you've got some of these names, faces, some of the ideas that the human trafficking, which we've been involved with in Nepal and India, it's a huge problem all over Southeast Asia. Uh, I can't help but hear those things and think of my own daughter um, and th the kind of horror that comes out of that situation. But our God is a God who redeems. Our God is a God who restores. Uh, he is a God who heals the brokenhearted, uh, who sets orphans and families. And so I want to encourage us to be praying for that this week. Um, and I also want to encourage you, one of the great things here, if you notice, a lot of this stuff is just everyday things where they, you see people with needs and you reach out. And, and Jesus said, you know, if you give a cup of cold water in my name, which does not take a great level of skill, but he said, if you do that, you will certainly be rewarded. God uses that by us just being available. So I want to remind us, we're on mission here. We're supporting mission there, but we're on mission here, and we need to have our antenna up and our eyes and hearts open because there are people all around us that God wants to work in and through us to reach out and to share the gospel. So what we're going to do at this point is we're going to take up a love offering I can have the ushers come forward, and in just a moment, we're going to have Steve and Karen come down, and Colleen has got a group of people that are going to pray, and as they uh, are praying for uh, the McClure's, I want to encourage us to be praying with them, for them, uh, so we can partner together in what God is doing there in Cambodia. Those of us who are a little bit older and remember the Khmer Rouge, it is a land that was shattered, a land that was shattered, but God in his sovereignty will use those kind of events. When you're Joseph and you find yourself in prison, it's easy to despair, but God is at work. And what others intended for evil, God was working for good. And the same thing here, what the Khmer Rouge, what Pol Pot intended for evil, God wants to use to work for good. So we're going to be praying for that, and everything that comes in in this offering will go directly to the McClure's and the work of ministry that is going there in Cambodia. So if you forgot to bring a checkbook, if you don't even know where your checkbook is, like me, uh, you can just write an IOU to put in there, and we'll trust you to give it, or you can jump online on the website and hit uh, and the Give button. There is a way that you can give for the McClure's. Yes. Or 
You can aim your phone. We are making this so easy for you. You can aim your phone at that, and it will offer to you to give uh, right now to go to the McClure's, and we are really grateful for everything that comes in. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for the work that is going on in Cambodia. Lord, we thank you that when many of us in the Western world didn't even know that Cambodia existed, it was a country with which we were not familiar. Father, they were upon your heart. The Lamb of God is worthy because he was slain, and with his blood has purchased people from every nation, every tribe, and that includes Cambodia. And so, Lord, this morning, as we have heard our heart breaks for this people, we ask, Father, that you would hear our prayer. And, Lord, as we give, we ask, oh, Jesus, if you could extend even a few small fish and loaves to feed multitudes, Father, we pray that you would extend what we give in the same manner and that you would multiply it 30, 60, 100-fold. And, Father, our prayer is not even that you just bless us because we have given. Father, we pray that it would be a blessing to the Kamai people. We pray that you would extend this, Lord, and use it to restore young women who have been sold into sex slavery, to heal the sick, to take those who are hearing your gospel that they might respond, and even for the young men who are being trained to be pastors, that they would be effective in reaching out with the good news. Father, hear our prayer and use every bit of this for your glory and our good, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Those who are praying for the McClure's can go ahead and come forward. Um, for the folks who have been here long enough to remember when we used to bring the whole congregation forward, we're, we're a little bit larger and that makes it a little bit unwieldy. So we have a group of people who are going to pray. I encourage you to pray along. Uh, with us as we are praying for them. If God laid something on your heart this morning, just as you were seeing those pictures, pray, intercede, ask our Father uh, to work. So, Dear Lord, we just uh, thank you for my uh, Father and uh, Karen. Lord, we pray that you would just uh, bless them, go forward. Lord, um, all these things are big steps for them. Lord, we pray that you would just... Uh, um, provide a path for them, Lord. Keep them on the right path, and Lord, keep them flexible. As they've said, Lord, that uh, your will uh, was going to be revealed, and Lord, we pray that there would be willing vessels there, and Lord, that you would just make their uh, efforts fruitful. Lord, uh, we also thank you for uh, the good reports of the uh, mission trip that we had here from BRCC, Lord, that they were able to make a difference, Lord. They were able to go in there and be flexible, and Lord, um, Look at the things that uh, you were able to accomplish through their efforts there, too. Lord, we just praise you for that. Lord, bring in hope and just some uh, happiness there. Um, Lord, just new things that um, can provide them just encouragement. Lord, uh, we pray for the um, daughters of Cambodia. Lord, uh, we pray that uh, Karen would be able to uh, infiltrate there and um, just get adapted there. And, Lord, that she would be able to make um, uh, progress and all the things that they're doing there lord they have a great work to do there and lord that we pray they're able to grow and expand and help those who are um involved in this lord and lord that you would change the culture there lord that we would not see a statistic of 90 percent of the families um selling their own kids to uh this lord that they would uh you know um just through cultural change lord know that that they can do better things lord we pray that you would bring education and um uh just medical knowledge, and um, Lord, that you would just bring prosperity to the region, Lord, that would fix so many things. Lord, we just pray that uh, you would keep that ground fertile for them spiritually, Lord, that um, your name, Jesus, would be heard there, and Lord, that um, hearts would be transformed. We just thank you for them and ask you to protect them.
Lord, I pray for um, our hearts to be softened, softened and to give all that we can to um, the McClures and to the daughters. I pray for the captors and um, those who are sold into trafficking that you may work in their hearts and work in them. And I pray that they may be strong in their faith and that they may seek you despite being in the situation that they're in. Yes, I pray for those who are looking for them and seeking their hearts. And I pray that they find those girls yes, and that they move in their lives. And I pray that throughout the McClure steps and all the missionaries going over, I pray that you may guide them and you may seek their hearts and find what that they find what they are looking for and that they find you in everything that they do. I pray for the opportunity for Bay Ridge to keep going over to Cambodia and for the missionaries to make a difference. And I pray that those kids may see what we are doing in their lives and that what you are doing in our lives and they may be encouraged in everything that they do. I pray for the orphans that you continue to encourage them in their situation. And I pray that we have more people like the McClure's going over there and helping out those children. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to have gotten to know Steve and Karen and the work that they're doing over in Cambodia. Lord, I pray that you just continue to strengthen their work, continue to give them um, the tools that they need that are difficult to find there or that are difficult to come by. Lord, I pray that you would just continue to provide continuously for all the physical needs of the people they're ministering to, as well as the, you know, the spiritual needs as the people. Lord, I pray that you continue to speak your gospel through their love as they go and they they are your hands and your feet on this earth, God. Lord, as they go and they walk the streets and they find these girls who are in desperate need of you and your love, Jesus, I pray that they would be your love to these people, that they would be you to them, Lord, and that through that love that your gospel would reign in their lives. Lord, I just thank you for the, the, um, the heart that you have given them for Cambodia. Lord, I thank you for the, the beautiful people of Cambodia, Lord. They're the smiles that they have and the joy of the Lord that is truly deep down inside of them once they find you. Lord, I pray that you continue to move in their hearts, continue to move in that country, go through, Lord, open the doors, break down the walls that are built up around the hearts of these people, Jesus. Lord, I pray that you, your name would be glorified in all the earth and in Cambodia. Lord God, I also just thank you for the work that they're doing there in Cambodia. And I ask you, Lord, that during this season while they're at home, I pray, Father, that you would give, uh, give Steve the ability and the connections, whatever it is that he needs, so that he can write the curriculum that he needs to take back um, to train up the pastors, Father. I pray that it would be written in such a way that it really connects with them, that they can understand and uh, and learn and grow. And Father, I just thank you that you've raised up a man like this who's willing to leave his comfort of home and go you know, to a far, far away land that's totally foreign in every aspect. And, and Lord, that he would see the, your people with your eyes and love them, Lord, with your heart. And that he would be able to train these godly young men um, to rise up and be able to then go out into their own villages and continue the spread of the gospel, Lord. And we just, I thank you for that, and I ask you, Lord, to give him everything that he needs to be able to do that while he's at home. Refresh him, Lord, and, and, 
and give him strength. And, and I pray the same thing for Karen, Lord, while she's here during the season, that you would allow her to write the curriculum that she needs to write, get the refreshing that she needs, Father, then any new training that's available. I pray, Lord, that you would fill her and, and make her prepared, Lord, so that when she goes back in January, she's ready to just pour out to the, the village uh, medical leaders and training the, the village people, Lord God, in, the med in medical practices and in healthy practices, Lord God, um, and even giving her inspiration, Father, on how to reach the children, to train them, Lord, into good hygiene and, and the young mothers, Lord God. I just pray that you would continue to do that work in her so that she could do your work here on this earth. And Lord, I pray also, just as, as has already been prayed, uh, for the young girls who are being trafficked. Lord God, I just ask you to end this despicable practice on this earth. I ask you, Lord God, that you would um, put, put in place the infrastructure, Lord, so that these families are not selling their daughters. And Lord God, that these girls would be safe. They could grow up, Lord, knowing that they are safe in their families, that they're not going to be sold into sex slavery, Lord. I ask you, Lord, to protect these children. Allow them to go to school, Father. I pray that these girls would be educated. They would learn a trade, Lord, that they would be able to um, contribute financially to their families in other ways other than their bodies, Father. I pray that you would just stop this horrible practice on this earth, Lord. And, um, and we just, we thank you, Lord, for their apartment that they have there in Cambodia. And I ask you, Lord, that, it, um, you know, the lights would stay on and that nothing would fall apart and trees wouldn't fall on it or whatever, Lord, but that you would just keep it safe for them for their return. I pray, Lord, that this would be a season of refreshing for them in preparation for going back. Lord, I just also pray that you will put a hedge of protection around them. Lord, I pray you'll keep them strong physically, uh, keep their bodies healthy, give them the strength to do the work they need to do day and night there. I pray that you'll protect them spiritually, that their walk with you will continue to grow um, personally. And I pray for their relationship uh, together as a couple. I just pray that their marriage will continue to grow strong. Um, Lord, and I just uh, thank you for the provision. Father, we thank you for Steve and Karen, and we pray, pray your blessings upon them, Lord, that you administer to and through them. Father, I pray as they are preparing to go back and train further, Lord, I pray that Karen would have wisdom and be prepared in how to raise up workers. Jesus, when you gave us the commission, you didn't tell us even just to make converts, you told us to make disciples, those who would learn and be able to help others who were learning. And so, Lord, I pray that Karen be able to raise up many workers that could seed throughout Cambodia to do the practical work of caring for people in their body, and that, Father, that would be an open door for the gospel of Jesus Christ, Lord, that it would, it would prepare the ground so that churches could be planted. I pray for Steve as he is preparing uh, this important set of lessons, Lord God, on the sacraments. Lord, I pray that as he goes back, he would be able with clarity and power to be able to proclaim what happens, Lord God, when, when these new converts are baptized into Christ, that it is a newness of life, that they would rise and walk in newness of life. And Father, the great 
privilege we have of being able to come to your table, Lord. I pray that as he shares these things, it would sink deep into the hearts of these pastors and the people who are training to be pastors, and they would be able to encourage and build up their flock with these habits and means of grace, Lord. Father, we pray for the young church there among the Kamai people. Lord, we pray that you would nourish it, that you would strengthen it, that it would rise up and it would be a mighty force. Lord, we are, we are so grateful when we look not that far away from Cambodia. Father, just over 100 years ago, there were virtually no believers in South Korea. Lord, there was no penetration of the gospel, and there were those who had labored for years with seeing no fruit. And now they are a mighty force for you in this earth because, Lord, your gospel is the power of God for salvation. Father, I pray the same thing would happen among the Kamai people. Lord, I pray that in our lifetime we would see a growing, flourishing, thriving church, that it would be like the book of Acts reenacted right before our eyes, Lord God, that many would be swept into the kingdom, that those who are dwelling without God, without hope in this world, who are fearful of dead ancestors, who live by luck, Father, I pray that they would see they live under the providence of God, that they have no one to fear but God, and that they can live for you in joy, in holiness, uh, in righteousness because of who Jesus is, and they don't live by luck. They live by the sovereign hand of God. Father, we pray that you would work and you would do all of these things and you would prosper by the power of your gospel in Cambodia. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to conclude with a word of benediction. This is going to be Psalm 67, and I want to encourage you to receive the blessing of God. Uh, this is a, a benediction we're using a lot during the series, and I want you to hear God's blessing on you, and then when we are blessed, we are to go and be a blessing. So receive the blessing of God. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us so that his ways may be known on earth, his salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples justly and you guide the nations of the earth. You are blessed in Christ Jesus. Go forth and be a blessing. Amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church.